0: Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the king of the rock himself. It's Benny Horowitz. Light the rock.
1: Did you see me with Eli Manning?
0: Look at you. Come on.
1: You know, I did not. So last night, you know, I I guess, you know, in an effort to we were under the assumption that most people go to Devils games, don't know who the goal song is. Yeah. You know, and they play our song when they when they score a goal. They play how it's very cool. They got a whole chant and everything. So management thought it would be a good idea if we lean into this a little more, you know, and uh, and and make this connection. We also during the game teased a little part of our new song, a song that's going to be coming out next week. So it was exciting, you know, but, you know, I, I get anxious about stuff like this. So I'm asking the person who set it up like a million questions. I'm like, what exactly do I have to do? Do <laughs> I got to do one of those? Like, Let's go, Denver, you know, or something <laughs> like that, because I wasn't comfortable with that. So they're like, no, you're going to like light up the rock. And they sent me a video of what I got to do. I'm like, oh, cool. Pitchfork, light up the monitors, NBD. And then, like, five minutes before I'm about to do it, they're like, yeah, Eli Manning's going to do it. I'm like, oh, oh, what? You know, and I don't get starstruck often, but, you know, me, lifelong New York Giants yeah. fan, someone like Eli Manning is someone I've seen play and heard talk, you know, a thousand times, brought me two Super Bowls, beat the Patriots, beat Tom Brady. You know, one of those people that... I think like a lot of Giants fans, the first like half of Eli's career, we're all kind of like, I know he's good. Is he good enough? You know, is he good enough to get us over the next hump? Like, why doesn't he smile that much? Like, why doesn't he get mad? You know, he's got that even temperament. And then by like the second half of his career, you're like, Man, why can't all quarterbacks be like this? You know what I mean? Like, like this is what you want out of a quarterback. You want like that Mariano Rivera, like erasure of memory, you know, like Eli could throw a pick, looked like he didn't even care. On to the next play, no big deal. So by the end of his career, I'm a I'm an Eli Manning super fan, an advocate for him getting into the Hall of Fame, which no-brainer to me. I don't know why that's even a consideration not to. So we see it and I'm like, oh man, all right. But in those instances, I don't know what to say all the time, you know? I don't know exactly how to handle the situation. Luckily, very friendly fella, graceful. We wound up with a good 5-10 minutes prior of us standing in the same place having nothing to do until it started (laughs) so you know got a little small talk in and and chatted a bit very nice guy very personable Um, you do get to see too sometimes like what actual famous people like what their (laughs) life is like you know what I mean and I mean he's sitting up in that pedestal says Eli Eli you know like security detail came afterwards cops and the whole deal (laughs) And I'm like, oh, is this a little overblown? You know? And shit, it wasn't. Like, if they weren't there, he would have literally gotten mobbed in the hallway, like, like mobbed. So it was funny. We were like walking with the security detail. You know, they wanted us to. And then at one point, like it just broke away because yeah. they actually and then we're like, Yeah, we're fine. Like yeah. no one's even <laughs> trying, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was a really cool experience. And then same thing, they were like, So you want to do the Zamboni ride? And I'm like, I don't, what does that entail? Is it like I got to go up there and like, are they going to be like, you know, doing video? They're like, no, nah, you just basically cruise around. So I convinced like my wife and the boys like to to go up and do the Zamboni ride, which was such a trip. I mean, even just to see the stadium from the ice, you know, Yeah. they played the the clip of the song. I really, you know. Besides for driving in and out of Newark and and getting in there, like it was really just an excellent
0: night, man. I I feel great about it. Well, that's awesome. Was there any bit of of you that you were like, okay, we're going there. We're going to promote. We're going to light the rock. And then when they say the Eli Manning, was there any bit of you that was like, oh, thank God. Or, you know, that it's like the pressure's kind of off us to light the beam because everyone's going to be there for Eli.
1: Yeah. Yes. And yes. Because like. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, all right, like, you know, we're now second fiddle on this on this presentation, which did make me feel a little better. But then I had the added anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to meet Eli Manning. Like, shit, like, do I got to do something like, do, you know, like, what am I going to say? And this and that turns out, you know, he still lives in Jersey. We had a little chat about that. You know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I I'm just you know, I'm much of a hustler in that way. I know some people would like, have his phone number after five minutes. Like, <laughs> hey, that's just not my style. But he also, you know, to his credit, he's a very famous person, mm-hmm. right? Who's been talking to anybody he wants for the last, like, 25 years. And you can tell, like, you know, there's, he's got a script, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's been in a lot of uncomfortable conversations with a lot of people, and he knows how to get through it, you know? So, I never know how much of the, you know, it's not like we sat down for a glass of wine and opened up about our pasts, you know,
0: (laughs) next week, the tune up brought to you by Omaha productions Yeah, yeah. coming next week. Yeah,
1: exactly. But it was a great night, you know, and, uh, I just wish that, uh, the devils came, came out a little better. I mean, they had a one Oh lead, you know, going into the second period. And then it just, it just trickled away. And, you know, that third period was pretty deflating, uh, yep. you know, since it was a, a local rivalry. There was a ton of Rangers fans there who, you know, kind of took the arena over by the mm-hmm. third. So let's hope the Diablos go into the <laughs> garden and cause a little damage. That would be nice.
0: Yeah. What's that all about? Because they won the season series against the Rangers and then this postseason. Hockey's just like, just cra- the Hockey script. is
1: the craziest yeah. sport when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, if there's. I know parity is getting more interesting in the NBA and more interesting in the NFL, but there's no sport where it's like a completely new season when the playoffs start and you see last place teams uh, upsetting the first place teams constantly in the playoffs. So um, yeah, hockey's just like that, man. It's, it's my, my buddy, Dan, who is with us, who's, who knows a lot more about hockey than me said, the Rangers were playing a very, very effective neutral zone game keeping the devils uh, from attacking and using their speed uh, adequately. So he thought
0: it was a coaching thing.
1: Mm. I'll take his advice. Yeah. He, he he plays hockey, so
0: I'll listen. In the 2000s, we had the subway series. This year in the NHL, we have the path train series. Not, Not exactly series. As, as alluring, but
1: I, I mean, <laughs> fuck that. Jer- I wish the Nets stayed in that stadium, oh man. God. When I was in Jersey City, I decided <laughs> to go to 730 tip off. It's like. 7.15. I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> you know, like how convenient. Now now I got to pack a bag lunch, and make like a whole night out of it.
0: Oh, well, you know what segment is a bag lunch, a whole night, each and every single time we do it. Great seg. It's this day in music history. Do, Great do, seg.
1: Do, do, do.
0: Good for you. Now, what do you get?
1: It's an interesting one. In On this day in 1960, I guess, you know, t- a little lead up for about 20 years prior from, from radio becoming commercial until this time, it was common practice for record companies to pay DJs to play songs. It was called payola. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I had a nice term like that. But on this day in 1960 began the U.S. government cracking down on payola. Dick Clark famously testified be- before Congress, admitted that he took money and gifts to play records estimating 27% of his playlist was to be paid. He emerged from all this more powerful than ever. He sold off conflicting interests and expanded his music empire, running all the way until when I was a kid. And on the other hand, another prominent DJ uh, and TV host, Alan Freed, refused to admit he took payola, insisting he was a consultant to the music industry, and his career never recovered, despite his uh, massive influence. So even back then, this is a uh, a testament to uh owning up to your shit if you're going to take if you're going to take the payola admit you take the payola can one thing i was thinking about too is can we get this term in a new context pay, Oh, like
0: pay for stream
1: how oh, great yeah i mean they do it how do you think you, <laughs> You think Spotify really thought that artist was so good they're gonna put him at the top of the fucking thing or you know list them on the front page? No, that shit gets paid for. So I guess I guess streaming payola is what's happening now.
0: Man, do you know how much money I would have made in my 20s if Payola was still a thing living living this radio life for the last 10 years? (laughs) Shit,
1: could I have gotten paid by when when I was doing
0: street theater radio with
1: little mike at at Ruckers? I could have gotten all sorts of money from from uh, discord bands.
0: (laughs) That would have been uh, the uh, student media version of NIL, like WSOU at Seton Hall, which has a pretty decent sized following. Those kids would have made bank.
1: I bet the metal bands pay to get on, on SOU.
0: They probably do. What do you got? What do you got? Uh, I'm going to make it a little bit more somber. Uh, On this day in 2016, Prince was found dead at his home in Minnesota at the age of 57. Uh, The police were summoned to Paisley Park when his body was found in a lift, which is kind of a crazy element of that story. Um, You know, we all know Prince's career uh, going from the 80s up until... Uh, you know, and then the, his legendary performances popping up at, a you know, uh, one of his last big ones was the SNL 40th party where it's like him, Paul McCartney on stage. And he's yeah. just like the room of the most famous people in the world. And he is the guy. So, right. uh, Prince on this day in 2006, passed away at the age of 57. Felt like we could have maybe gotten 20, maybe 30 more years of Prince creativity. Yeah. And he had a fucking locker full of songs too. Apparently the one
1: thing that I kind of found, comical about this in a way was you know prince uh you know on paper died of a fentanyl overdose Mm. and this is 2016 so as usual prince was an innovator (laughs) 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 what (laughs) before his time it didn't be you know hasn't been a big thing until a couple years ago prince was on it he was on it you know always ahead of the
0: curve I don't even know where to go with that. So we'll go to be speaking of Keep being uh, speaking of being ahead of the time, Benny, uh, you know Everybody's has gathered in Coachella this weekend. Um, the weekend was there, and you know, ahead of his performance, a viral Ari song that replicates Drake and the weekend uh, was released, and it went absolutely crazy. The song has been pulled uh, from multiple streaming platforms following a complaint from Universal Music Group. The song was called "Heart on My Sleeve," and the the numbers it did was crazy. It streamed 15 million times. Um, And let's see, uh, was played 600,000 times on Spotify, got 275,000 views on YouTube, overall 20 million clicks. Um, Universal Music Group, in a statement, said that the reason for banning uh, the training of generative AI using our artist's music um, violates copyright law. Uh, So interesting stuff happening here. Uh, This comes uh, after... Spotify and Apple last week restricted uh, AI's access to their uh, songs and everything like that. So uh, a, a interesting time uh, these last few months with AI creativity and where it goes next.
1: Yeah, no, it's fascinating. I mean, we've been talking about this for months now. You know, just this increasing use of the AI and when and where Who's responsible for what's coming out? Who's going to be liable for for things like this? I thought the the quote that you said was interesting, um, and I saw it in the article as well, where the the label's uh, statement on it was, you know, really more based that uh, on the AI is being culpable more than the person who created the track, which would give me the illusion. You know, on a legal level, like like legally we're in in a super gray area and it's going to really, really come to the forefront soon. Maybe this is the thing that's going to do it. Um, I don't know how much money this creator Ghost Ghostwriter77 seven seven or whatever made in this short time. Uh, I'm sure when you're doing that much on YouTube and stuff, you at least get, a, you know, a little ad revenue and it's going to open up the door for something else for this person. But I do think the interesting part of this was the label really seeming to attack the AI itself as the culprit and not the person who generated it. So I think that might be a a, a cue of how this is going to shape in the future where they're going to really go after the companies, you know, uh, creating the AI products rather than the people using the AI products. I think that's the, the the most illuminating thing that's coming from this story
0: Well, oh, i mean it's got to be because they didn't do it right like if universal came up with this track and put it out there and right, like owned right, it and was getting right, all this money right. you would hear bupkis about this but because it was some random guy on tiktok they're all up in arms about it
1: sure sure but i mean like back in the day i'm sure people used to be able to manipulate anybody's songs however yeah. they wanted and you know could put it on a tape and you know, I'm sure this this happened a lot back in the day, but now you happen to have the access for, you know, a, a random person out of nowhere to get this thing out there, you know, and really to get it seen and heard and it become viral. So it's really it's it's really like a three pronged thing on how this is, is coming out now. And it's really going to complicate things in the
0: future. And it's it's really interesting because programs like like so we use the Adobe suite to edit all of this stuff, both Premiere Audition in the 2023 version that they've just put out of their stuff. There's AI video editing. So you're going to get more people that don't know what the heck splicing and and putting together all this stuff even is that are able to do it, which makes skills that so many people went to college for kind of invaluable. Now, um, thank God in the creative field, there's all of these unions to protect people like that. So I, I don't think that will ever get fully there because there's like, you know, there's like cinematographers unions, there's directors unions, there's editors unions. So, but uh for your average Joe at home trying to get into this, uh kind of dries up the freelance market a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think
1: that's, and uh, you know, it's even in the art world. You know, I we just did a uh, a podcast with someone who was explaining to me, you know, the um, the illustration AI. Mm. You know, where you can literally write like, you know, paint me a glass of water like Van Gogh would, and it will give you some decent recreation of it. And I think it's it's what I'd been talking about earlier too. Like, I think. The live experience is going to become a much more important thing moving forward. Like, if you're actually watching a band play their music, no AI. Yeah. If you're watching somebody paint, no AI. You know, I think like the future of this, too, and one of the results might be a more immersive and personal and live experience for not only music, but now art, literature, writing, like all these different things that. You Know face to face, you can't manipulate it, and I think that's that might be you know another another fork from this
0: whole thing. Yeah, it's funny that you have on the turnstile shirt because they just got booked to play uh Rolling Loud, it's to which is typically like a hip hop EDM, kind oh, yeah. of listening uh, uh, party more so than a, a concert. And they're gonna go in there, and it's probably gonna be a pretty monumental set, so
1: yeah, they're gonna wreck it. Great live band, so. After Ray 100%. live group
0: hundred percent having a moment right now. Uh, Benny, you know, who's not having a moment right now, <laughs> Frank ocean, Frank ocean. And you know, in, in, in this day in music history, we always talk about, um, you know, different ways where, uh, people's concerts didn't go exactly according to plan. And this may be a all timer. All right. So Frank ocean last week at, at Coachella showed up a hour and a half, uh, Late to his set, um, only performed until the curfew time. And then he was off. It was a shorter set, showed up late. Absolute disaster. He was supposed to play weekend two as well. That's not happening. He's being replaced by Blink-182. But where I'm fascinated by this story is the stage that Frank Ocean wanted for his set, that he needed specific <laughs> approval from Coachella. He wanted an ice skating rink on stage. He got it, got it approved and everything. Apparently, in the lead up to the show, he injures his ankle. That's why he was allegedly an hour and a half late. Um, ends up doing it without the ice skating rink um, and now is injured. So here's my question to you. All of these kind of breadcrumbs make me beg the question. Did this dude bust his ass trying to ice skate and then wasn't able to do his job? Uh, like Anchorman, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: here's the thing. I, I'm not going to begin to like go into, what you know, artists have been doing this forever and there's a thousand reasons for why people like this decide to come on stage late and decide to not play shows and, like, there's a lot of reasons they could give. And I'm not going to sit here, you know, um trying to work out what actually happened to Frank Ocean and this and that. The one thing I know for sure, and I know I heard that the Coachella organizers were already fined, by the city of indio for breaking that curfew and let me tell you something those curfew fines ain't cheap i've literally had like going up to a curfew you know we got it pretty pat down where like if there's a clock there and it's ten fifty eight, we gotta be i know you know i know we got it under control but we've made a lot of people nervous i've seen the money people on the side of the stage going Because it is expensive. It is extremely expensive if you break those curfews. So, you know, there had to be a number of people trying to explain this to Frank Ocean going into it. I'm sure he knew it himself because, you know, the band and the artist foots the bill if that happens. So, you know, I'd like to say that something happened. But canceling, you know, uh, a headlining Coachella set based on something like that, I mean, like... You know, it's a leg injury. I know you can't jump around. You can still sing. So I, you know, like there's a lot of reasons to make me think that this has got to do with something else. I just, for fuck's sake, I could never guess what. I mean, they're they're rich, famous people. Maybe his fucking pet ferret got sick and like he just couldn't handle it. I I don't fucking know.
0: I'm going to choose to rock with the option that he busted his ass ice skating. But you you know what he should do? He should have Dave Grohl it up. Get out a guitar, even if he can't play it. Sit there, have what, whoever who plays yeah. his music behind him, and just you know, that's a, how you build up a whole lot of sympathy.
1: Yeah, get a gold encrusted yeah. wheelchair or something. <laughs> but apparently, he wasn't supposed to ice skate in the show. Like it, the he he had hired two professional ice skaters to 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 perform while he was performing on the ice. I don't think he was meant to go out there. I'm not sure, but yeah, I definitely imagine like an Anchorman two scenario for
0: sure. <laughs> I can say this because I'm not in the business like you. You are not a musician if you have to hire ice skaters to help you fill up a stage. I'm sorry. I disagree there. Okay. I no, mean, no. listen. Let me... What? This is going to go down with the Lady Gaga take, and I'm here. And I'm just go <laughs> if you don't have a band and it's just you and you have all these flashing lights and you're doing the whole thing and you're less concerned about the music and more concerned about the show and you bring in the ice capades, you're not really a musician.
1: I, I, again, it. I disagree. I disagree <laughs> when you're when you're a performer on that level. So much of what you're doing just is performance. It is entertainment, you know, like unless you're you're stupid, like the Gaslight anthem, you decide to go out and play twenty five <laughs> fucking songs or something, which uh, it's exhausting. I would I mean but that's, real. that's. I real. wish I could play like eleven songs and then the fucking light show <laughs> would do the work or something like that, you know, like, um no, but I mean, I grew up like a rush fan, yeah. you know, and a well, rush arena show was like an immersive you know entertainment shtick you know the whole thing and like there is some value to it and uh i think being a solo performer is even more of a reason to have ice skaters because there's less to look at so i i disagree there uh i would love to go to a concert and see ice performers as i'm watching a musician play but if taylor did
0: it if Taylor did it, I'd be all on board because her stadium show phenomenal. We're not upsetting the Taylor, just the Frank Ocean community because he's he's ripe for the picking right now.
1: I bet I bet Taylor could. Uh, I bet Taylor could ice skate. But oh, yeah. I, the one thing I find hilarious is a bunch of Frank Ocean fans watching fifty <laughs> year old men with their dyed blonde hair and their little backwards <laughs> caps and watching Blink One Eighty Two. It went from like one of the coolest things to one of the you know. I don't know. Not cool things. Oh really. All right. fast. We're
0: moving on before you get canceled. <laughs> yeah, but that, like that's it. my job here. <laughs> all right. Um, what is next on the docket? Oh, let's talk about, you know, we a Benny. Yeah, obviously yesterday was 420 and it's been a uh a, a long strange trip uh for the grateful dead. Um, They announced on 420, they are starting a TikTok, which it's like, I I, I love this. They said in a statement, once in a while, you get a show, uh, you get to, you get shown the light in the strangest places. If you look to the right on April 20th, the Grateful Dead launches its official TikTok account at Grateful Dead in conjunction with Rhino Entertainment, the channel will serve to celebrate decades of music, generations of community, and the endless array of creativity that has woven the band and its fans into every era of the world's counterculture and consciousness. Great PR statement. It is. What do you make? The dead being on the talk. I kind of love it.
1: I do. I mean, you know, it seems like it's driven by Rhino Records, you know, like somebody. I don't think there's a member of the band like harvesting this account and cutting up the videos and doing that. But like, is there an artist or group like more perfect for this platform? There might be no band in history with more archival footage and recordings than the Grateful Dead. Like, you know, dubs on dubs on dubs of of literally like forty years of performing. They never they always allowed people to tape their concerts and and they you just have a massive amount of footage. So you know, cut up the right way and done the right way, like, cool and then you know we're getting so far removed from their uh inception story you know like grateful dead like one of the proper hate ashbury san francisco trail off of the fucking lsd 60s kind of thing and you know we're we're pretty far removed yeah. from that time and like if you're an 18 year old person like just coming up you probably don't have a, a big idea about that culture and about the the lifestyle that was behind it. And it's one of those things that like, fuck man, make America (laughs) grateful again. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I I still to this day, I, I, I sit here as being a huge grateful dead advocate while not being able to tell you more than three songs, (laughs) which I think is a lot of people, but I love the thing. I've always loved the thing. I found it very cool, very punk rock in a lot of ways. And, uh, I'm into the dead. I just, you know, I'm just not that into the music, but which makes it perfect for TikTok. You know, it makes it perfect for this age. Like, give me 30 seconds. Give me these great clips. And it's probably going to be really successful. So I'm here for it. I think it's cool.
0: I'm happy that we're getting this Martin Scorsese Jonah Hill Grateful Dead movie, I think sometime yeah. in the next year or so. Because the you know, once you reintroduce that story back into the, the conversation, I think a lot of people are gonna try to hop on a heck. Uh, people on, on TikTok are trying to Wes Anderson their lives now, you know, give that aesthetic to their daily lives. Yeah, yeah. So and that's way I, like yeah. like bottle rocket, these kids weren't even born. That's what I'm saying. If if if
1: it can Make like one 20 year old kid go like, oh, who's Timothy Leary? Tune in, drop out. What's that? Like, is there not more of an important time to tune in and drop out than right now to ignore exactly. social media, ignore the fucking news yeah. and actually experience the world around you? These guys were onto something. So, you know, well, just when skip, you're banned. just skip the drug addiction stuff
0: yeah. like that's that's, you know, <laughs> the downside. Well, when your band wants to tune in and, and drop out, I, I know somebody that's pretty decent over here. I'm making TikToks. Oh, gas talk. I, oh, oh, all right. gas talk radio. <laughs> all right, let's move over to Twitter now. And uh, 420 continued to be a big day uh, around the world. It was a day of Twitter's great purge. It'll go down in infamy. Everybody lost their blue check marks. Benny got out uh, as soon as there was rumblings of that. You know, all this get, get me out. out of here. Um. However, you know, so people lost their blue check marks, such as Patrick Mahomes, Cristiano Ronaldo, Tiger Woods, but not LeBron James. For uh, y'all, man, of course, of course, LeBron wasn't going to yeah. lose his blue check mark. Um, this was because apparently Elon slid into the emails, the DMs, what have you, and was like, LeBron, it's on me. I'm going to comp your Twitter blue. I Everybody else in the world has to pay for it. You're not. What is it? Not um, ninety six
1: dollars a year, at yeah, eight bucks a something month, something like okay, that. Okay, I think
0: it's eighty four. But uh, it's it, it's funny who Elon spared here. He was like Stephen King, you're good. Ice T, you're good. Um, so but not
1: Patrick Mahomes,
0: not Patrick Mahomes. So uh, even old Elon needs LeBron's cloud, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, this is just funny. <laughs> I but the one thing that really stuck out to me was
1: LeBron's tweet about it. Like he's like, I guess they're taking the check marks away, but you know your boy's not paying the five. Which reminded me of that hilarious scene. What's that movie he made with with Bill Hader and uh
0: Oh uh Train Wreck.
1: Yeah, Train Wreck <laughs> when he's he's like, What you think I'm gonna give uh Sunglass Hut twenty dollars more of my money? Like like that whole that whole bit was so great. And I didn't realize it was true to form, yeah. like you know, I didn't know LeBron was uh, was a, was a stingy dude like that. But I respect it. Yeah, especially oh, at his, you know, because it's not about being able to afford it. Clearly, you yeah. know, it's about another thing and I respect it. But it's another in a long list of just Elon, like just fumbling through this shit, not being able to make a good decision and stick with it and putting gray area into everything he does. I mean, yeah. fuck, like <laughs> he's this is if anybody needs a, a CFO or a CEO, like it's him, like he just needs to become,
0: he's got to go farther to the back, man. Cause he just <laughs> keeps fucking it up. Did you see his rocket launch that he was uh, exclaiming what a big success it was? Even I though did. it blew up. I did.
1: I actually, you know me, I'm a fucking science nerd. Yeah. I read a lot about that. And I think in that case, he was actually correct. It was, you know, getting that thing off the ground, yeah. was remarkable in itself because of its size and uh i and i i i'm actually all here for for blowing rockets up in in the uh you know in the the thought of progress <laughs> and learning more like th- there was no way they were going to th- learn what they needed to learn without blowing one of them up so
0: I, that I, that i was here for I mean, fuck, if that doesn't uh, give you Roman Roy from Succession vibes, like season two (laughs) where the rocket blows up, I don't know what does. I couldn't help
1: but think of like, (laughs) shit, how much money just blew up and how many people like can't eat, you know, Um, that of course that that, you know, passed through my brain.
0: All right. Well, you know, boy. We're picking interesting stories today, but they're not necessarily the ones that make you feel good. Let's keep it moving. Let's let's move a little out west, shall we? Uh, the Oakland Athletics have signed a binding contract to purchase 49 acres of land near the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, this, according to the Las Vegas Review Journal, the A's intend to build a stadium. Uh, that seats at least 30,000 people, has a partially retractable roof. Uh, this per the team president, Dave Caval. Uh, they intend to have the st- stadium completed by the 2027 season, which I don't know, Benny, that, that, that's a decent amount of time. Apparently, if this goes down, they're going to play in the Triple uh, uh, A stadium where the Aviators play right now, which is Las Vegas Aviators, great name. Um, But the Oakland A's, uh, lease in Oakland expires after the 2024 season. So um, just a lot of possible options. I don't know if this is something that they're actually going to do because you can buy the land. That doesn't mean you have to do something with it. But uh, we, we were texting about this yesterday. The A's leaving Oakland will be right up there with the Sonics leaving Seattle and the Expos leaving Montreal. So uh sad day for baseball if this comes to fruition.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that this is one of those Based on the statement that the team made and really, really like throwing the city under the bus uh, in that statement. You know, I don't know if that was like the last ditch effort to to put the fans on notice, put the people on notice to get things riled up to actually make it work in Oakland, which I wish it could. Um, you know, I know the the fans apparently are staging a reverse boycott. Where they're uh planning on filling the stadium to show that no, we're not the problem. It's this piece of shit team that you keep putting out there that's the problem. And that, you know, there's something to be said for that. Like, we're not looking at a championship team here. I mean, the A's have been trading out their guts for years and years and years now. I don't think your run-of-the-mill baseball fan could name you a player on the A's. Not a lot of Shea Langeliers fans out there. And This team is what currently like three and 17. Their run differential is more than two runs lower than any other team in baseball. They are by far the worst team in baseball, and they're putting an awful product on the field. So, who do you blame for this? I mean, it seems like such an adjunct failure in management to not only put a team out there like this, but also lose it with the city at the same time. I mean, this isn't the case, you know. The the year the expos, you know, were getting shut down. They had some of the best players in baseball. They had Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson and, uh, you know, Marquise Grissom, Delino De Shields, they had, you know, Larry Walker. Even at the time, they had they had a great squad. Um, so it's it's really like such a failure, you know. I kind of took it in passing. But then when we were texting and you're like, yeah, you know, the Bash brothers, the Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson, the earthquake during this, Mm -hmm. you know, the World Series, the fucking money ball, you know, like it's placed in in kind of folklore and the iconic nature of baseball. It would be a tough team to lose. Um, And uh, yeah, so I hope that 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 some gets worked out but i mean they they're dying for the team in vegas they have been for a while i don't know who else is going to move so i you know as much as uh our personal interests are divested into this i think you know economically this seems like partially a done deal I'm yeah
0: the, the rise of, of Vegas here in, in, in the world of sports is so interesting because 10 years ago, you know, like there, there was the sports gambling and everything. But now that it's legal, it, it's really boomed all of it. I think from a tourism perspective, a, a lot of people want to go there. But it's sad because, you know, I, I know that like the people that like live in and around Vegas, great people, great culture. But it's not the kind of like sports culture where you're going to get these diehard fans century after century or or decade after decade. So it's like I I, I wonder and I wondered this when when the Raiders went to Vegas and I wonder this with the A's. What's the end game for this? Like, is 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 this a short-term win for a, a long-term failure? Because some of of these franchises, right? Like you look at the Raiders, you you look at the A's, they've kind of been these transient franchises yeah. that have moved from stop to stop. You know, you look at like the Sacramento Kings have kind of been like, like the same way, just from stop to stop to stop. It's like with franchises like this, is 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 the tour kind of the answer all, all the time? Cause it feels like they're like, these teams are never going to stop moving once they start.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and as you said, like Vegas is a very transient town too, you know, like you have a lot of people moving in, moving out uh, a lot of tourism, you know, I think. So the idea that you're, you're quickly going to build like a hardcore fan base is, is a little tough, but, But I mean, like the hockey team had no problem. You know, they packed that place out like so there's obviously the infrastructure there. It's it's a growing town for a lot of reasons. So, I mean, it seems to work. Um, People do forget. And I've spent some time out there that Vegas has like an alternate city. Yeah. Outside of the city where like people actually live and work. Um, (laughs) You know, I know uh like henderson yeah yeah everyone just sees oceans 11 but there (laughs) is like remember everybody who works in those places has to live somewhere they're not living at the top of the fucking bellagio (laughs) like they you know they go to homes and neighborhoods that do exist around vegas and they and they're sprawling they're big you know and it's uh so so they they do have that more than more than people think and this really isn't a knock against vegas to me i i i'm pro vegas it's a fun town um they should have their teams they obviously have the money and the fan bases it's more of a you know losing another iconic franchise that that you know and all of a sudden you know the las vegas athletics are gonna hold reggie jackson's records and you know like stuff like that i hate shit like that as a as a purist of sports and stats i hate shit like that so that's really where my heart lies with that one
0: it is the sports franchise uh, version of when sports memorabilia just ends up in like Vegas and it's just like signing sessions, like 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 yeah. the Pete Rose signing is, like, baseballs right. Right. his baseballs and his jersey hanging up there. Oh, man, I can't stand this. But MLB needs to step in, try to save the Oakland A's, but I, I think we may be past that at this
1: point. No, MLB wants them to move. I, I don't think they're stepping in at all. <laughs>
0: MLB is like he- like screw history. Like we don't need it one bit. But like give
1: right. me the dollars. We got shorter games now. <laughs>
0: Come on. Ah, uh, well, do you want to talk money here, Benny? A little bit. A little NBA related money and I think James Harden cost himself a-, a bit of cash last night. Sure. Uh what an interesting Nets Sixers game last night. Um a-, a lot of stuff happening. Uh James Harden was ejected in this one. Oh, yeah. But I want to run through all of this so First, we get the Nick Claxton dunk and step over of Joel Embiid. Love Nick Claxton, but man, playoffs, what are are, are you doing? I get that. To which Embiid goes and tries to kick uh, Claxton in the Nads. Uh, Nothing happens to Embiid there. Makes contact, doesn't get ejected. That's interesting. So then, uh, Draymond's going to have something to say about that. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, And then a little while later, Royce O'Neal is Ding up James Harden. James Harden hits him with a shoulder also in the nads. A lot of nads action. Yeah, happening a lot of nads Yeah. Um, James Harden gets ejected for this. Still nothing from Embiid. Um, and then to make matters worse later, uh, Nick Claxton once again at the rim with Embiid. John a little bit and then Claxton gets ejected um sixers get out of, out of game three with the 102 ninety seven victory uh but the story of last night all of these ejections in the playoffs
1: yeah i I mean it was it was I didn't get to watch all of it because as you said, I was at the devil's game so I caught the clips I caught the highlights I mean based on what we've been seeing in this playoffs and the way it's been penalized it looked like the sixers were getting away with a whole fucking lot and I'm wondering if Harding got ejected almost like four Embiid like yeah. they knew that. They knew that they kind of blew it there and needed to to let well, at least one head roll. Uh, I saw Claxton got ejected later for basically just fucking fronting up on somebody. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to Dylan Brooks Embiid. <laughs> I've been watching Claxton go against Embiid for years. Probably not a good idea because Embiid's got about a hundred pounds on him and kind of knocks his ass around. So you know, but uh, it, it was it was a dirty game. It was chippy. The one thing I kind of like about it. Is the idea of a Sixers Nets rivalry going forward, and some of these pieces having an actual issue with each other? Like it's fun, it's good for the game, good for the product. Uh, but classic example of why the Nets, you know, kind of snuck into the six seed last night, and they are what they are. Was the ending of that game? They don't have closers, you know. And then when you're going against, you know, you know, proper superstars. I was hoping we'd get one or two of these. Now I'm looking like, yeah, Nets might just be packing their bags now, you know, a little bit.
0: What I liked about what, what Claxton did, though, and it's the same thing that you, we saw have seen Dylan Brooks do in this Memphis Lakers series. At some point when you're going against these superstars, you're like, okay, they're great distributors. We need to make them want to put 50 and 60 on my ass because then they're not pitching to James hard and then they're not making maxi mm. and, and, and option. I think that's what Claxton was trying to do. That's definitely what Brooks was trying to do. Unfortunately, in the case of that, uh, Claxton took it a little bit too far.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, like you said, I love seeing fire out of a yeah. kid like that. He's, you know, in the playoffs, try, he's, and he's a nice young player. Like Claxton's going to be around for a while as well. This is not going to be the last time he sees Joel Embiid. Um, But, you know, in this case, you're happening to go up against the, you know, the the presumed MVP of the league who's on a fucking mission this season and, uh, you know, can't be stopped. And he's turning into one of those uh, types that when he, you know, gets into the lane and then there's contact, he's so big, he's so strong, great footwork that someone's got to call something and Embiid's getting real crafty down there for sure.
0: All right, let's move out west, shall we? More compelling action on Thursday night in this Sun series, and this Sun series between the Clippers and the Suns is is, is kind of a uh, a summary of the entire Kawhi Paul George era. Yeah, no shit. Um, you know, the Clippers uh, went from going up one nothing on the Suns, thinking you know we got a shot here. You know, Paul George maybe gets back second round, we can make something happen. And now they've lost Kawhi Leonard. Um, and we're not sure if he's going to be back in this best of seven series. So without Paul George, without Kawhi, um, uh, Phoenix absolutely having their way. I mean, in in, in their game three win, um, which they, they took 129-124 on Thursday. Uh, Devin Booker popped off a of 45. KD added 28-6-5. and five. You got to wonder, if they're not getting their big dogs back the rest of the way, is this one over?
1: I mean, you know, Clippers were right in this game. Man. Yeah. They had a great game plan. You know what this game was a highlight to me was the idea that really the West is not that strong. You know, and and you're watching like, you know, the Suns were a large number of people's team to run through the West and to do this like you watch this team, you watch the way Chris Paul struggled a lot of the game. Durant, you know, I know we talked a lot about him uniquely being the type of player you can drop anywhere and he does that. They don't know how to get him the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. I see him taking the ball up. I see him going in a lot of different spots. I don't think anybody knows exactly what to do with each other yet and what what works best and what's optimal. Um so I actually even though the Suns came out with the win last night, it actually deflated my confidence in the idea. I mean they might get through the West because but I think uh, some of the teams, you know, like a like a Denver yeah. is in a better chance than they were going into this where people were just denying him because they have that fluidity. They have their stars. They have experience. They know who they are. And, you know, with the Clippers taking people in and out of their lineup with the Suns, you know, trying to get acclimated and honestly not looking great to me, um, you know, I, I think last night was really an indication that, you know, the best teams in the NBA are in the East. The Denver disrespect has been
0: crazy because Ooh. Jamal Murray looks like he's back in the bubble. Like he's yeah. playing at that kind of level. Uh, you know, we talked last week about the Michael Porter situation. They seem to have figured it out. He, he's good for anywhere between 15 and, and, he's and the 20. wild card too. Yeah. Like
1: I was saying in last week's episode, it came, it came true this week. Ben Stradamus comes again. He's he's the wild card in this series. He's the guy you're going to just hand the ball to in a certain situation and got to make buckets. And I think he knows that now.
0: So I'm, I'm not sure if any other team right now and the Warriors in included have three options right now that, that, that can pop off in the end of games when you need it. So uh, keep an eye on Denver. They're 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 tricky. I mean, the Warriors are just, I mean,
1: fuck. Like, it's its just an indication of the whole regular season. Yeah. Like, you got to win a game on the road, <laughs> on the road. <laughs> to fucking to win a championship. So, I don't know what's going to happen
0: there. Yeah. Jeez. Strange. Strange. <laughs> oh, perfect. Teeing me up, as always. Uh, So, the on Thursday night, Draymond Green was serving his one-game suspension. The Golden State Warriors were down 2-0. Um, and their motto in the locker room and everything was, don't feel sorry for ourselves. We got this. We're the champs. And they came out, and they showed it on their home court like they've done so often this season in green's absence Kevon Looney stepped up as a facilitator. He went nine for nine on his passes and he went uh, for 23 points as well. Pulled down 20 boards, a big night for Looney just in in, in terms of uh, what he is in this league and for his own career development as well. Love to see that from him. Uh, Curry finished with 36 on 12 of 25. Um, He added uh, six rebounds as well. So with Draymond out, Curry got underneath and tried the, make it happen on the glass as well. Uh, on the other end, the Warriors held the Kings to 38% shooting, which is so funny because, you know, you think Draymond defense, uh, but the he- right. hold the Kings to that was pretty good. Um, you know, we've talked a, a bunch about uh, Golden State, you know, this season being off on the road and turning it up at home. I uh, did so just there. Is this series going to be one where each team just holds serve at home and then we get to a game set? I mean, not necessarily because you can't count on the Kings shooting
1: that percentage every game. You know, like like they're going to come out firing. They're going to be hotter than that. Um, you know, I, I I, wasn't expecting the Kings to sweep this series. Like, uh, I do still think they're the more athletic team. They're, they have uh, an opportunity to run the Warriors around. I thought the big X factor in this game to me was Wiggins being a real piece, like mm-hmm. getting back into it. Playing defense, he's such a versatile defender and somebody you need out there. And when you do have a healthy Wiggins and a healthy Gary Payton out there jumping around, it does change the face of this team a little bit. And you you really have that perimeter help, um, that that Steph and Clay really need out there, you know, to like um to control, especially, you know, the the kinds of athletes that the Kings have. So I think those were the big uh X factors in this one. And um uh, yeah, I, I, you know, huge game four considering, um, but, but, you know, that's the upside to being the three seed. I mean, if the warriors really can't win it, win on the road, you know, the Kings put themselves in a good position to, to take that game seven, you know,
0: this warriors postseason more so than even like last year where they were still the guys, it, it, it kind of feels like those, like Later playoff runs with the core four, where it's like they're still there, they're still a threat, but they're not exactly like the team that was uh, pulling off the '98 to 2002 run.
1: Yeah, I mean, but we also kind of assumed the same thing last season, you know, and That's they true. they they turned up a gear in the playoffs and they got through. So, <laughs> like, I I am not gonna rule this Warriors team out for a number of reasons. I mean, they have the best shooter on the planet on their team, and um, you know. This is that strange Draymond effect, too, of like certain things is like. He does do this stuff and Mm -hmm. he puts his team in a precarious situation as a result, but it also it ruffles the right kind of feathers. Sometimes it gets people thinking differently. It gets them out of their own heads. It's almost like, you know, the the one guy, the asshole at a bar who's going (laughs) to pick a fight with six people to like kind of get your friends out of it. You know, they. I, I, I don't think Draymond is um somebody who's thinking that way in the moment. He's clearly a fucking hothead and can't control himself when he gets like that. But, you know, there's these weird ancillary effects to stuff. And, and you know, Draymond taking it to that level with this team that did something to the Warriors and both the Kings, you know.
0: How mad would the league be if the NBA Finals is Denver, Milwaukee? I love the Bucks, but for a ratings perspective, <laughs> oof, oof.
1: Hey, yeah, I'll t- you know me, <laughs> oh, basketball love nerd. I'll yeah. take it. So, who do
0: they want the most? They want they want Lakers, Celtics. I mean, or or let's see. I'm trying to think. Even like I, I think hmm, King, Kings would interest people. I know that they probably want either Boston or uh, Philadelphia, but. I don't know. Oh, Memphis, Memphis—they want to anoint Ja. They want, an they want think, this to be you a. You think coronation. they want Memphis
1: Still, or yeah. Sacramento? Those, those those might be the two smallest markets in the
0: league. I think it's like you want to introduce. You want like 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 they're using this as like a runway for their next star. So who's it gonna be? Is it gonna be Darren Fox or is it gonna be um, Ja Morant? You oh. saw
1: that Sabonis is converting to Judaism. Add him up. Add Come him up. On. Bring him in the team. All we have is Denny Avijah, So I'll take it. Come on, Domus.
0: I love it. In my life, like I'm surrounded by you trying to add to the Jewish basketball team and the in-laws over here, the, the girlfriend's family, they're always trying to find the Filipino players be like, who, who can help us at the Olympics? Because that country loves basketball. Listen. Very funny. It's it's almost
1: 2024. We might have a Filipino
0: Jew soon. Oh, let's go. Come on. Come on. on. Hey, Come on. Hey. All let's right. Let's go. Let's move on to some postseason awards here. Uh, Sixth man of the year was handed out. That went to Boston Celtics guard Malcolm Brogdon. Key addition last offseason for them. A guy who could really help them maybe get back to the finals and potentially win it. He finished over uh, New York Knicks guard Emmanuel quickly. And my guy Bobby Portis, who I was champion on the show last week. Did the voters get it right? Should Malcolm Brogdon have been the sixth man of the year?
1: Sure, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I think you could make a fair case for quickly. Hmm. Um, he really had a, a couple stretches of this season where he was almost tasked with way more than Brogdon was asked to do in Boston. I mean, uh, Brogdon was never really asked to to, to kind of run the show, and there were times when quickly was really like propelling the Knicks like through a couple weeks of their season, but also at the time he was doing that, he was starting. So, you know, that's, that's the complication there. Brogdon was your classic six man this year, you know, really, really provided off the bench and, and kept it steady. Um So yeah, I have uh, with, with high efficiency, good defense. He adds a lot to that team. I really have no problem with, with Brogdon winning that award. But you can make a case for quickly. I, I think Portis had yeah. too many stretches of poor play. Like he had a he had a couple months there where you were like, oh, is Bobby Portis good anymore? <laughs> so yeah, I, I think they got it right this time. The rare
0: combination of rookie of the year turned six man. Of the year but uh no he just bumped up his shooting this year uh 48 overall 44 from three which is a big you know like the three like when he was with the bucks like his three was eh but it was his ability to like really get in, in the paint and facilitate would that uh, help him get that first award so shout out to Mal- malcolm love him uh great charitable guy probably one of the uh best uh what what's that award they give out i know in football it's the walter payton but uh best uh, yeah
1: yeah, I'm not I'm not sure who, who they named it after who, in yeah, this one. But, uh, but shout
0: out to him. But uh and then the other award that was handed out, Mike Brown of the, of our Sacramento Kings. I don't know that, that, sure. that has, has not sure. to it. I'll take him in. <laughs> has won the 2022-2023 NBA coach of the year in a unanimous vote. He swept it. Yeah. Um love that. You know, he he he's brought the Kings back to the playoffs, number three seed in the Western Conference um talk about a a guy who who just uh was on the golden state bench for a long time and i was like it's time to go make my own thing um he also won the national basketball coaches association coach of the year as well um absolute home run decision here
1: yeah you know what's cool about this i was reflecting on mike brown and i was like there was definitely a time i didn't just think i was sure mike brown was a shitty coach yeah like you know he was always he could always run a defense right Like. Always do it, de- but there were times I thought he was really archaic and super vanilla on offense, and and this kind of like magical combination happened when he was given the pieces in Sacramento that he has, and kind of unlocked the next stage of his coaching evolution. I think it's also um, a testament to the fact that just like players, you know, you shouldn't maybe be totally ruled out for one bad run, and maybe you you can learn you can adapt and you can be you know useful going down the line with a different group so i think that's one of the cool things about the mike brown one and easy yeah easy no-brainer for for him winning it this year
0: it's so interesting when it comes to nba coaches because it's like how long can i endure it's like you stay in the situation and then you jump to another situation where you can kind of ride it out keep it happening um very interesting when he was like because he turned down a lot of jobs during that, that Warriors run too to get to a part where he's like, OK, I got a star that I, I, I've i got a star I can work with. I, I, I got the good role players who can like kind of take like charges and, and do the dirty things. And then they bring in some bonus and it's like, OK, I have uh, another star to add to this absolutely you know the entire way that they've run it the, i know people give Vivek a lot of shit for how he runs the team but he's put the right people in in place and has uh, has taken great basketball minds and let them do their thing
1: yeah for sure a lot of credit to everybody over there I, and it's fun you know it's it's yeah. fun i i love what they're doing over there it's so funny that the, the warrior's bench yeah. is the nicest place to be in the nba we said it yeah. You get private access to Steve Kerr's vineyards all over Northern <laughs> California. And and you know, that's why Kenny Atkins still 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 sitting there. It's a similar thing.
0: Before he took the assistant GM with the Sacramento Kings, Wes Wilcox worked with us, and I worked with him like every single Saturday. And then like one day Cause you know, he, he, was doing like the media stuff. And then he, one day is like, yeah, like I'm going to go take this King's job. It's like, it's like Monty <laughs> McNair. I'm like, yeah, what? like you were a GM. Like, why are you doing? But it's like Wes is, Wes has a business degree so much smarter than, than anybody really that, that I've met in, in this basketball circle. So ah. great decision to join that crew in that front office. And he may get a ring this year. Who knows? So shout out to Wes. Um, great dude.
1: Yeah, no, I, I find it all very impressive. I, the King story is one of my favorites of the whole the whole NBA season for sure.
0: One more late addition to the tune-up set list here. Uh right before we were about to go on breaking
1: news. Breaking news.
0: Uh Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams both tweeting Nick Nurse, NBA champion head coach for the Toronto Raptors is out north of the border um, this after a year uh, that really finished all up kind of lousy against Chicago Bulls in the play yeah. in, in tournament. Um, a great tenure, uh, pop, the best coaching tenure that they've ever had up there. Um, but Miss Simon Ujiri wants to build the next phase for Toronto. What do you make of Nick Nurse, championship coach out in Toronto?
1: I think it's time for whatever reason. I mean, I think he wore on, on some things they're wearing on each other because by the end of the season – I'm looking at the starting five for the Raptors, and I'm seeing Sayakum and Ananobi and Van Vliet and Jacob Purtle, and I'm watching this group come out there, and I'm like, should be a playoff team. Yeah. And and you know, game after game after game, there was just like weird missteps and uh, people kind of doing strange things at strange times, going cold at times, like you know. And at that point you're like, what's going on with the coaching? Like, is there something going on? Um, so I think Nick nurse is, is an innovative coach. I think he's very good. I think he's going to land in a, in a, in a very good job pretty soon. But I do think that's something worth in, in Toronto. I, I'm not sure what exactly it was from the outside, but, but it seemed palpable to me. And with that kind of roster, I don't think with, with some of the teams we saw get into the playoffs and stuff, I, I don't see how they did it. So, um. yeah, it makes sense to me. And we all saw this coming, yeah. right?
0: And I mean, he was there eight years. That's kind of the shelf life for a coach. The message get gets stale. Guys don't get up at uh, the pregame hype that, you know, or the halftime talk that you used to be able to give. But uh, Nick Nurse, a guy who getting fired now is actually going to extend his career because if you just let it linger a few more years in Toronto, you probably wouldn't be idle up for the next job. Uh, Houston Rockets already interested in him uh we've talked previously on this show about him potentially going to detroit following dwayne casey yet again yeah right it's like you know i I like i i know you never want to talk about the black head coach in the nba versus the white head coach in the nba narrative but it's a pretty interesting thing there if you look at the dwayne casey story do Um, i not want to talk about that i mean it's it's We're at the hour mark. That's like a <laughs> that's like a twenty five minutes. And we'll, the we'll kick off the with next it. episode. With that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Nick Nurse will get a, a, another job, and we'll probably kind of like the Quinn Snyder thing, uh, the J B Bickerstaff thing from a few, a few years ago. He'll be back relatively soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, that that about does it. Right at the one hour mark. Anyways, in contact with the show, you can email the tune up. At the tuneup podcast at gmail.com to p's in there. Follow us on all the social platforms at the tuneup HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We were never verified, so there was nothing to lose. Uh, follow <laughs> Benny on Instagram. Uh, big week ahead for him at Benny Horowitz. I'm at Denny Gallagher. Benny, anything else? Eli Manning, very tall, very tall, taller than I thought. The show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to and watching the tune-up.